0: Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah Shulton Kranz, a survivor, thriver, adventurer, and believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from handpicked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Live Boldly. So two weeks ago, I released episode one of a two-part series in which I interviewed Lisa Voltiera. Lisa has been living with HIV since the year 1991. We had a three-hour powerful conversation that I broke into two episodes. In episode one, we covered 1991 until the year 2000. During that episode, we talked about what it was like for her to get that phone call, having to face her diagnosis and share it with her friends, her family, her husband, what it was like to face death, and also having that awakening moment while she was in the hospital Realizing that there is so much to live for. Before I talk about episode two, I would like to share a few things with you. If you have not gone in and subscribed to my newsletter, please do so at sarahsholtoncrans.com. You will be kept up to date on everything from the book release on November 10th to upcoming programs and speaking engagements and book signings. Also, we are accepting applications right now for our eight-week coaching journey and five-day co-ed retreat in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. If you are ready for hiking, coaching, adventure, gosh, meditation, breath work, transformation, awakening, and just literally leading a new life, please message me, DM me, send me an email at sarah at sarahschultenkranz.com. We will get you hooked up with a 20-minute free consultation call to see if this is the right fit for you. And I wanted to share that we are also having a retreat at the bottom of the Grand Canyon over the holidays of this year. So if you are ready to do something completely different like you've never done before and go into the Grand Canyon over the holidays, it is a co ed retreat, again with an eight week coaching journey. Please message me and let's hook you up with a, another free 20 minute consultation call and see if that is the right fit for you. Let's talk about episode two with Lisa. Now, episode two covers everything from the year two thousand to the year twenty twenty, which is today. We talk about what it was like for her coming out of the hospital, having that awakening moment, and then really walking through the steps to leading a life that she loves today. We talk about what it was like for her to lose her job, hit depression, having uh, going through the divorce with her husband, and then also really realizing that there is so much out there to live for. If you um, if you are ready, please go grab your journal, your pen, your favorite drink. Come on up, curl up, and listen to this conversation with Lisa. It is so awakening. It's powerful. It's inspiration. Um, it is empowerment. It is truth, inspiration, hope, and all of the things that you could possibly want to really make you realize that life, is magical. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation, listening to this conversation as much as I did sitting next to her in my office and having this beautiful interview next to this incredible woman. Enjoy. Friends, I do want to warn you that due to the nature of this content, there is some strong language and we do keep it real. You guys, we are back again with Lisa, and you listened to her last podcast last week. If you have not, go back and listen to that one first, because this is actually podcast number two. This is the follow-up podcast to um, her story about living with HIV um, from 1991 until 2000. Today, we are going to be talking about 2000 to 2020. And what it was like for you um, coming out of that first part when we ended the podcast, this last podcast with with you in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And you had this realization that this was now your path to awakening. Mm -hmm. You were going to take these steps forward and move into this new life and almost like reinvent yourself, right? This was your reinvention. Yeah. And really having to go from the woman who has HIV That nobody talks about, nobody knew. I mean people knew, but like Nobody
1: really wanted to talk about it. Nobody really wanted
0: to talk about it. Right. (laughs) Right. Like, and now to actually going to this place of reclaiming who you are. Right. And going deep into who you are. Yeah. And finding who you are. Outside of
1: HIV. Right. Yeah. So, you know, after the hospital not dead, not dead. And every day I'd wake up thinking I was going to feel great. And that didn't happen. It took three years before I could eat three meals a day again. It was a very slow process. But in that process, I started to learn how to ask for help, which is not an easy thing for me. Any Ask anybody in my family. Yep. Yeah, and I think that runs through a lot of families. Yeah. You learn to be super self-sufficient, but to the point where it's detrimental. Yep. I it's it's my biggest Achilles heel. Yep. Mine too. That's why I keep saying yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've learned. I learned Mr. Faulty. So I'm I'm learning to and still I have to remind myself, Lisa, ask for help. Even for stupid things. Ask for help. So in that process and also going back to those three prayers. I need the will, I need the strength, I need the right path. The strength part. Now the will, I'm I'm getting down. will is no longer an issue. I wanna live. I learned how to water ski. In 2000, I learned how to scuba dive. I went whitewater rafting. What? Yeah, from 94 pound weakling at my sickest, now I was like 105, but with muscle. Because I'd started speaking around town about my story to local HIV groups. So you
0: sharing your story gave you the strength, the will to live, provided the outlet for you to also connect with other people that are like you. Yep. Okay. I, high five. (laughs) (laughs) That right there is why I do what I do.
1: Yeah.
0: I just had this conversation with somebody uh two nights ago maybe it was last no it was two nights ago Mm -hmm. about this exact same thing yeah why do you do what you do and i said i do what i do because it gives it gives harness to my story right it allows me to continue to to um, heal my past Mm -hmm. it gives me the opportunity to learn from it to grow from it to honor it to forgive myself for it to hold myself accountable and responsible while also showing others that they can do the same right
1: and wow in so i was still super weak throughout those years right up until about 2000 but i was speaking at ucla at their masters of public health class there's this one guy in there who calls me about a week later and asks do i remember i'm like sure i remember you what he didn't know was that one of my new little prayers to the universe was gee i really could use some like a physical trainer. Somebody teach me how to lift weights because I cannot lift a bag of groceries. That's weak. That's really weak. And I didn't have money to join a gym. And gyms are kind of creepy to me anyway because everyone's like Mr. You know Atlas Tire Man or whatever. Right. And then you walk in. And, and I'm, going, I, they, like, they're intimidating yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. But I'm thinking, I need help, but I don't have the money to get it. So I'm speaking at this class at UCLA. This guy calls me. He says, I hope you don't think that I'm being rude or intrusive or overstepping, but I've been trained to teach people just like you how to lift weights so that you can get healthier. Wow. I'm like, manna from heaven. I'm like, oh my God, you don't know this, but I've been praying for this. My prayers are being answered. So I get into the gym with him. The first day, I get on a treadmill. I can walk two and a half miles an hour for five minutes. And I'm like, whew, what a workout. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that felt I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Babies can crawl faster. But I could do it. Yeah. And I come back the next day. And I'm thinking to myself, if I could do that yesterday, what can I do today? And so I'm beginning to see this paradigm shift that's no longer focused on what I can't do but now it's what can I do right and asking that question what can I do suddenly the brain starts filtering in answers and that was the beginning of this shift that's going to take me in the direction that I knew I was meant to go wherever, not knowing where it was going to end. And who still knows? I'm still here. Well, right. Do we ever? But, right. But it's certainly not that path to death. It's, right. And it's certainly changing from not dead yet to now I'm beginning to live.
0: It goes back to the
1: end of the last episode that we talked about. Mm-hmm.
0: That's the difference between living in constriction and living in abundance, Right, there you like, go. Yeah, that's the difference between um, feeling like you're having to grasp at straws and just mm-hmm. also trusting that there is
1: there is so much more out there for us. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and the wow. other thing that speaking publicly started doing was it took the power of HIV away. You because are no longer... The, I'm no longer right. the subject. I am now the owner. And I remember telling myself one day, if this little fucker isn't going away, I'm going to use it to my benefit. Amen, sister. Right there. Amen. And I, I if I were to describe it physically, you know when you give somebody a bear hug? <laughs> I was just thinking that. You were hugging yeah. it. I'm, hu- I'm going <laughs> to the shit out of this just thing. thinking this i literally was like
0: pretty much she embraced it
1: yeah Uh, she's like like, i'm gonna i'm gonna hug
0: the shit out of this thing and you know you know i i don't i don't remember exactly the amount of time but there is a there is a an amount of time where if you hold somebody for long enough they yep Your heart rate, your heart, your heart rate sink and you become, it's just, you become one. Like you can, Mm -hmm. if you want to do something that is really pretty cool, which I love doing Mm -hmm. and people that know me know that I love doing this, hug somebody that you know is angry with you and don't even, don't Don't give them a chance. Don't give them a chance to escape because let me tell you something, when you do that and you just simply whisper to them, like, I got you, I got you, I got you, Mm -hmm. right? You literally can feel their cells change. You can feel yeah. the breath soften. You can feel their energy sink. You can feel mm-hmm. e- they just become one with you. It's the. Have yeah. you ever done that? I mean, you did not that with somebody. Your, yeah, not
1: right. somebody who's angry with me, but with somebody who wasn't. Yes, with friends. And yeah,
0: even holding hands. Just saying, try it sometime. Hold hands I'm telling long you,
1: and you sink up.
0: That we are all connected, yeah, all connected and sometimes yeah. you just got to bring them in and embrace them and mm-hmm. let it just, just slide into your space and, and, um, just become one. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I've done it and it, it's, it's yeah. shocked a few people
1: when I've done it and it's, that is cool. I'm, it is cool. Huh. I'll have to try that. And Maybe then I have to get somebody angry with me and then try it. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm sure there's people out there.
0: <laughs> so I want to just say something that's very interesting about when you're talking about, um, you know, you're going and, uh, and you're now lifting weights and you're doing the things. The other thing that I just wrote about in my book recently, uh, I don't know, this last, I think it's in step five of my book. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned that I did this very similar kind of thing, whereas I had certain goals that I like to do, mm-hmm. right? Like every year during my trauma healing, I would pull two things out that seemed really ridiculous and out there. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to go be on a trail for eight days. I'm going to go right. and do an ultramarathon, whatever it was. And I realized now looking back that the reason that I was doing those things was also to bring my trauma into the light, right. to allow it to heal, mm-hmm. to give it space. Because when you do something that is seems so extravagant and so huge, like I could never do that. Okay. Right. I guess I did. Yeah. What you're doing is you're also allowing, um, your own, you're bringing your trauma into, into the light for it mm-hmm. to be healed. Mm-hmm. But then you're also realizing that, I now have the strength to overcome that because I overcame this. Right. It
1: opens up your possibilities. Oh, your possibilities So, Just like yeah. huge. And I remember, you know, as I was doing Bring the on weight the moon. Thing. right. I'm <laughs> it was I started the weight training 1 year later I'm white water rafting up on the Russian River. I'll go with Class you th- Oh, I love it. Class 3 waters. That's amazing. I'm sitting in the top of that little raft and I'm digging in with my panel, Like we are not. I mean, I remember a group of people were like, we are not flipping this raft. You listen to the guide, and when he says stroke, you stroke not a second before we were like little <laughs> crazy people. But it was so exhilarating. And that was again like, I did that. Yeah. And if I can do that, now what else can I do? Yeah.
0: But you set this into motion, FYI. That's the difference. Yes. You set this into motion. That is the difference between people where it's, I'm in a life or I'm going to live it. Mm-hmm. Because we can sit there and say over and over and over and over again, yeah, I want to do that. Or it must be nice. Or all the things like, oh, she she just got the right drugs. She just this. She just that. Right? No. You made a very difficult and also defining you had a very defining moment where you were like these are the three things that i need this is what i'm going to pray on this is what i'm going to bring into my life mm-hmm. and then i'm going to be that person to set it into motion and to take the steps
1: yeah you can't just ask for it and go no okay, okay great somewhere's a magic wand
0: no, right. no, no 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 no, no. no, no, no. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Eh. yeah no not gonna work i wish it was that easy Actually no, no, I don't. Actually, really I don't. Really no, know. I don't. Actually, because what? do you know? Because, what, <laughs> what <I> know? because <laughs> FYI, is every single time that you do those things, if it's you know walking for five minutes at two and a half speed, and you're right. like, damn, woo, are going sweat on that. You you learn so much about who you are, right. and, and that's where the inner that's where that inner that that inner drive comes right. from. And
1: in truth, that's where the joy is. Yes. Oh, you know, hell we were, to the, yeah. We were joking just before we started this recording that I almost forgot how, I'm like, damn, I went through a whole lot of yeah. shit, didn't I? And I almost forgot, and I can laugh about it because, A, it actually was kind of funny. I mean, it's it's dark humor, but it's still funny. I find humor in my because darkness, too. Because when I also think about this whole journey... It was the universe kicking me in the ass to put me on the right path. Mm-hmm. And apparently I needed a whole lot of kicking. Apparently. <laughs> because whatever the signals were earlier in my 20s, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Not paying attention. Not Oh, you're not going to pay attention to that? Okay, we're going to try this. Oh, you're not going to pay attention to that? We're going to try this. Okay, sweetheart. You, you want to live a life? Here we go. Game Get on. ready. Yep. And you better bring your A game because you asked for it. I asked for it. Give me the will, the strength, and put me on the right path. Right. Well, shit. I better hold up my end of the bargain. Yeah. And at one point, it was probably right around 2000, I was really unhappy in my marriage. You know, my, my health is finally getting better. And I remember thinking, hmm... Okay, let me think about this logically. If there is a God, an entity, universe, yeah, whatever you want to call this, energy, I like to think of it as an energy, I don't think that whatever God you pray to wants you to be unhappy, including myself. I don't think that God wants me to be unhappy. Okay, that's realization, and suddenly like this was some super revelation, it really wasn't, but... I'd never thought about it before. And then I thought, even taking God out of the equation, I thought about my parents. And everything, and my parents were immigrants. They faced all sorts of discrimination, even though they were brilliant. And I thought, damn, they did not put up with all that shit for me to give up. Right. (laughs) How rude. How desgraciada, um, ungrateful. How dare I? take their journey and their gift of life and treat it like it's not worth something. Mm. How dare I not fight for happiness? Tick to- and the second part of that for me was if I'm not going to survive much longer, I better make every friggin' moment count. Get to getting happy, Lisa, because TikTok. Time's a wasting. Wow. That's part of that honesty I had to have right. with myself. right. And the responsibility and the responsibility and the accountability, like all the things. I mean, even without HIV, we should all be thinking: if I'm not happy, that's on me. Mm-hmm.
0: If I'm not happy, that's on me. Yeah, it's it. How many times do we turn to other people for happiness?
1: Right, and I'm guilty of it. Of course, I am.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, we like to yeah. we like to be with other people that are happy, and of course we do. Right, like we that's our connection to that, and at the same time, it's on us.
1: Held responsibility to find her happiness yeah. and joy. Right. Whatever that Take meant step. to me. So what was I going to do? So was it, you know, at that point I've had to choose stay married, get out of the marriage. What? What do you want, Lisa? Where's your gratitude, sister? Right. And you know what? It is on me. And also recognizing that everything was situational. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even in many ways the HIV. Like that that is a condition that I had to deal with. But I could change my circumstances and my situation around it. So, uh, you know, that's th- that was part of that, using it to make my life better. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to have to deal with this, then I may as well make money speaking about it. Because I'm like, I'm not speaking for free. You give me an honorarium. Mm-hmm. I got bills mm-hmm. to pay. And I'm wor- my time is still worth money. It was worth money when I was working for a corporation. Mm-hmm. Why do you expect me to work for free? Oh, because I've got HIV? Uh-uh. You want what's in here? You want what's in my head, what's in my heart, you pay me. You so, had
0: to get there. Yeah. You had to do the work to get there. Right. Nobody got there for you.
1: You had to do it. Yeah. And that thought process, all of those things allowed me to get a job that paid. Right. <laughs> Which is important. Because I had been on disability for almost five years. Right. And you don't want to stay
0: there. Oh, God, no. It was awful. Well, that's your up-leveling. In order to get to that space, you also have yeah. to
1: up-level. So, again, using it and that changing my identity, changing, okay, I am no longer that somewhat naive, married, gonna be, you know, that little picket fence kind of gal that's that's gone baby gone I don't think I ever was her anyway I know you're laughing you're like no <laughs> <laughs> as if ever no
0: I, I I'm only laughing because I get it no actually to be honest with you I'm laughing because yesterday morning I was pulling weeds out in front and my neighbor came out and he said hey I haven't seen you for a while and we started talking about like my life and mm-hmm. I said You know, I just all of a sudden looked at me and go, I thought I would be, you know, married with a white picket fence and like, you know, the the kids and the dog and the things and I'd just be teaching. And here I am now doing things that I
1: never would have thought I'd be doing. I mean, if I think about 1991, did I ever imagine I'd be whitewater rafting? Or in 2001, going diving in Fiji with Jean Michel Cousteau. You did? I with did. him? I did. Because I've, do- I've dove and I have been in Fiji I was at and his, I've, his I've resort been diving. And he happened to be there with his family. What it's- the heck? Unbelievable. <laughs> I didn't get but, that. But again, <laughs> 1991 to 10 years later, I never would have imagined that, that would have been a possibility. But those came about because of that paradigm shift, asking the right questions, being honest enough to go, how did I get here? And if I'm here, what am I going to do about it now? Yeah. It's not enough to go, oh, this is my life. Nuh-uh. What are you going to do about it? You're going to sit there like a crybaby?
0: Right. Ugh.
1: (laughs) Nobody likes that.
0: (laughs) Nobody likes that. And this is why we met that night at the Ted Talk. Because I'm the exact same way. Right. "Mm." Uh, You know, like work through the process. We all have a process. We all have a process. I I fully respect that. We all do. And at some point we have to feel it, to heal it, to move through it. And you can
1: you're only us can make put that into motion. Right. And we have to trust ourselves. Thousand times. Learning to trust myself. 'Cause clearly I made some fucked up decisions before that. So have I. But, you know, through all these problems, I'm like, okay, I have to trust myself that I can get to whatever the next level is. Well, and
0: trust that you can learn from those mistakes. Right. Like you're smart. You're a smart woman. We all are. Yeah. Like we all everybody's we smart. everybody's smart. We all have brains. Like we all know, right? Yeah. And it's also about listening to ourselves and right. saying, okay, I get it. I hear me. This is where I messed up. Mm-hmm. Moving moving right. now on. Now what? Now okay. what? Forgive, learn, forgive, go. Forgive, learn, go. <laughs> forgive, <laughs> learn, go. And sometimes we have to come back and forgive ourselves oh, yeah. again. Oh, my. And, again oh, my. and again. And again. Because we sometimes still fall back and into repeat. those old patterns. Because I do. I mean, I'm well, guilty of that. Because they're
1: it. ingrained in us. They're, they're centuries old. They are. They're,
0: I would love to touch on that for a second, actually, yeah. can we? Because sure. you and I talked about this before we came mm-hmm. down into my office to actually record this. We were talking mm-hmm. about how. Our lessons are also learned from from our previous generations. Mm-hmm. There are ingrained in our cellular level. There are lessons that um, and uh, traumas and addictions that are brought mm-hmm. down from generation to generation to generation. So the cool thing is that when we confront and take a look at all of the past patterns of our life, present patterns as well, mm-hmm. we not only shift them for ourselves, but we are saying no longer right. to the past generations and right. saying i forgive all of these past patterns that brought me to here mm-hmm. and we are shifting them for the future right it's amazing
1: yeah it's no longer part of this familial history right it's 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 like that chapter we're you know, in fact let's take out those pages and burn them up mm-hmm. <laughs> you did actually, a lot of that i did I to forgive myself i did a lot of writing things down and literally burning it very safely I didn't start any forest fires or anything. <laughs> and
0: you did that also for, I, I would imagine, a lot of your past generations then that brought you to where you, that the decision making, right? Yeah. Like all of that ingrained cellular level of right. how to make the choices and the decisions to right. get you to that present moment. And it's about forgiving all of them too. Mm-hmm. All yeah, of that. Yeah,
1: they, because they were doing the best they could. Everybody's doing, Everybody's the, best doing the best they can in any given moment. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it was all of that, you know, and and as with most people, we're learning and not recognizing all the time that we're learning. But then you take a step back and you go, oh, wow, I I just learned that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And becoming acutely aware of those pivotal moments. Like, I remember exactly where I was standing when I would had my happiness talk with myself. Oh, tell me more. I was, in, I was living in Long Beach at the time. I was still married. Marriage was a shit show. It was horrendous. But I asked myself, Lisa, if, you, you know, if I'm not happy, what am I going to do about it? I have a choice. I always have a choice. I may not like either of them, but I still have choices. At that time, I remember thinking, I need to leave. But I was chicken. I didn't want to leave because I still loved him. But neither of us was happy. But he left. Whew, took the decision off my plate. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And it was the best thing he ever could have done. It was a gift. And I remember thinking, okay, that answers that. And it hurt. Oh my God, it hurt. I cried every night for like six months. But by then I was working full time at UCLA, as a matter of fact, at the care clinic that had saved my life. Um, and I would go to work. I'd come, go to the gym, come home and have a bowl of Cheerios. <laughs> that was my routine for like six months. <laughs> but damn, did I look good because I was working out every day. I looked amazing, and I finally got to this point where I was working with that social worker that I I'd right. met in 96. I was working with her now at UCLA, and I found out about this group for HIV-positive heterosexuals, and I had wanted to go with my husband. We were separated, but I wanted to go with him because I knew there would be other, what's called serodiscordant couples, meaning one is positive, the other one is negative, negative. And I thought it might be nice to talk to them to see how they deal with their relationship. So I bought tickets, invited him to go. He said he would. He canceled. Mm. And I was heartbroken. Heartbroken. But my friends at work said, nope, you are going. I came home with eight different men's phone numbers in my pocket. And it wasn't, and I didn't want to use any of them. That wasn't the point. Right. Right. I suddenly thought, "Oh wait, your people are attracted to me." I had no idea. I didn't think anybody would ever be attracted to me ever again. So you thought that when this marriage ended, that you, was you it. Were it. That was it. Who's gonna want to like... date an HIV-positive woman, who's actually also has AIDS by definition? Who's gonna want to date her? Who's gonna want to date me? They can't have kids with me. You know, I felt so damaged. You were judging yourself. Yeah. But I go to this thing, and of course they're all HIV positive guys. I had fun, I danced, didn't want to see any of them, but that wasn't the point. They reminded me what it was like to flirt. I had forgotten how to flirt. I'm a natural born friggin' flirt. <laughs> I love to flirt. I love to flirt with people, making them feeling good, everybody feels good. That to me is what flirting is about. Right. I had, I couldn't see signals at all. I finally asked one guy, I'm like, so how do I know when a guy's flirting with me? He goes, Lisa, his lips are moving. Oh, my I'm like, wait, what? I thought they were just being nice. He's like, no. (laughs) That's amazing. So that was another, but that was also a pivotal moment where I'm thinking, oh, I can be... A sexual, sexual. right? I
0: can. I, can, I, can be, I can be I'm not Pinocchio anymore. I can be
1: beautiful. Yeah. I can be. I can be desired. I That's can be desired. That's powerful. That's a powerful drug. Let me tell you, the idea that you can be desired—that somebody might actually desire me.
0: Well, I thought not the even same about thing.
1: love. You know, forget love. I'm just talking about that basic amygdala brain right. desire. It is powerful, and to feel that somebody could actually feel desire for me. Made me feel amazing. So what's interesting about this is that I felt,
0: um, I felt like I wasn't going to be desired after a marriage where my husband was gay. My wow. oh yeah, there and this is very common with um, women and men. Mm-hmm. In my in my situation, mm-hmm. they call us. I hate labels, but they call yeah. us um, straight spouses. So we're the straight spouse in uh-huh. the um, gay straight marriage. Right. And so discordance yeah. well, so was I was like, wow, yours is much more technical. <laughs> it, it is. It's very. Technical. That's a very technical word. <laughs> We're not that, like, that technical. That's apparently, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're much more fancy than me. Uh, but, um, and we, yeah, it's a very common thing where it's like, who's, who's going to want to be with me when I've been in a relationship where there's been so much, um, deception deception and just the way that the that the relationship was was mm-hmm. not quote unquote what most normal relationships are right and so who would want that because then i'm like you know it's like wow. are you damaged goods as well yeah. are you yeah. because you don't know because now all of a sudden you how, have to
1: how is your judgment so bad i mean that <clears throat> right the kind of question right that comes right up? how yeah. how
0: did you land in this situation how did you like, not know how did you not know Right, I mean, he's a good actor. Yeah, right,
1: oh, he's no. a good actor. Okay. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: how do how do a, and the truth is, it's not even
0: anybody's business. Of course, yeah. correct, a thousand percent. Yeah, and I still had to work through that process post, right. and many, many, many I, people I in my imagine. situation. Yeah. That's that's their thing. It's like they have to go through that process, it's the same same kind of
1: thing. It's like, yeah. well, who's gonna want me? Right. So, I finally get back to work full time. I get ended up getting hired by a pharmaceutical company to do work in the HIV community all over the country. Now I'm making real money. I'm like back. I'm like, okay, I am back. Because when I before HIV, I was a salesperson. I was number five in the nation. I bought my first home when I was 28. My own money. And you lost it all. Lost it all. So now I'm working full-time for a very big pharmaceutical company. Doing work that I loved. I was connecting with patients on a daily basis, traveling all over the country, presenting slides to them, talking not only about the disease, but even we would talk about money management. People didn't know how to manage their money. So we, we would do a class on that. Mm-hmm. You know, getting to where they really lived and dealing with issues that they were living. So I love my, I love the people I work with. It was fun finally could go shopping again Nordstrom now was back in my life right yay <laughs> Yay! I love clothes I love shoes um and then I'm thinking okay I think I can start dating now I, I think I'm ready and match.com had just started I thought, I'm gonna try that because I was never in town I traveled three out of every four weeks I was always somewhere else in the country but home so I thought I can't I don't have time to meet anybody here so why not this thing I got nothing to lose because I got nothing now. So I have literally nothing to lose. And the interesting reactions that I would get from people who knew me, and everybody at work knew my status because it just made life easier. And some people would go, oh, good for you. You know, like, you go, Lisa, you get that, man. And other people would be like, you're doing what? I'm like, yeah, why not? And they'd come up with the same old scare things like, there's a lot of creeps. I'm like, there's a lot of creeps in real life. The, the ratio of creeps is not going to change whether it's online or real life. So that that's a silly argument to me. But then they would say, are you going to disclose? Wow. Oh, I got that almost, like, I'd say 90% of the time. And I'd look at them and I'd say, well, do people disclose if they have heart disease or diabetes or, you know, eczema or arthritis i mean why would anybody disclose their health status online on a platform like that wow wow but again that came back to that judgment thing of yeah. well you have to tell people I'm like well only if we're gonna have sex do i have to tell them i was gonna say sure you're gonna have the conversation if it gets to that right. place but chances are 99 of them bye-bye mm-hmm. go away But the other reason I decided to do this was because, again, I didn't know how to flirt anymore. Because working in the HIV world, all the men that I came in contact with were pretty much gay. Right. So They don't want me. (laughs) They have zero interest in me. Correct. So now, right. (laughs) So now I have to learn how to flirt. I have to learn that dance, that game, the signals. I had lost track of the signals. I need a new signal book. So I thought... Okay, I'll do this, and I'm gonna go out on a lot of dates, and they're gonna be practice. That's that was my approach. They're all gonna be practice dates, so I can make my mistakes with guys that I know I'm never gonna to wanna to be interested, or I'm never gonna be interested in. But it'll be an evening getting me out of the house for one, and I might learn something. The first few dates, oh my god, they were so awful, and it was all me. Why? <laughs> Oh, I said every wrong thing. I mean, I was horrendous. I was an awful date. Okay, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? No. I said, oh, my God. I remember coming home from this one guy who was actually really nice, and I would have loved to have seen him again. I'm like, oh, I talked about my ex. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was just like I was a train wreck. I'm like, okay, I need to keep practicing. Oh, that is too funny. (laughs) That is too funny. So, yeah. So, I just started... I, I went on 50 first dates. 50? Wait, Isn't there months. a movie
0: or something? 50...
1: Pr- 50... That's with Drew Barrymore. She had a brain injury. Oh,
0: Different I don't...
1: It, yeah. If, yeah. I, there is something there, like that. There's yeah. like a whole... But no, I, I went watch, on 50 first dates. And I even had... my One of my girlfriends at work had given me a little black notebook. Because she'd say, how's it going? I'm like, oh, I'm... You know, that one didn't work out. And she's like, how do you keep track? I'm like, you know, it is getting a little hard to keep track. Because... On match, people had pseudonyms, and then only if you decided to talk would they give you their real name. But I was having so many conversations that I was losing track of what I said to whom. Oh. So she's like, Lisa, here's a notebook for crying out loud. So I started writing their online name, their real name, little notes about what we talked about. And as I became disinterested, or if we went on a date and it didn't work out, I would just X them out, turn the page. And there were usually like five going on at the same time because that's, it's a game of numbers. Right. And I kept that notebook because the guy ended up dating with, dating for 10 years. He was in the book and I had written this one. I'm really excited to meet. And I'd forgotten about the notebook until we were moving across the country together years later. But I'm going through the page, I'm like, oh, wow, there were, and that was the ones I only kept track of, so it might have been more than 50, who knows, but all in six months because I had a goal. I'm very goal-oriented. So you did this
0: in six months. Yep. Yeah. 50 I, dates in six months. Yeah.
1: And while okay, traveling. I, was, I am while not telling
0: you how many dates
1: I had in six months, but it certainly was not <laughs> 60. I was Fair on a mission. 50. Uh, my mission that beginning of that year was I want to be in a happy, healthy, loving relationship by the end of the year. Girl, when you put your mind to something, you're like fifty <laughs> dates in six months. I how many is that a week? I don't know. Sometimes it was like four a weekend because I was only home really like Thursday night. You know, usually Fridays through Sundays. I'd, you know, I'd get on the plane again on Mondays and be gone till Thursday.
0: I don't even, there's, there, there are, weeks there are times like, when I had two in a day. Do, do I even have the energy for one in a week? Much Granted, less. I was
1: younger, so. Well, true. <laughs> and you don't have three kids. Right. And that's a little easier, but still. Yeah. But it was, it was a second job, but I was determined. I'm impressed. Because I really wanted, I wanted that in my life. Like, okay, I got, I bought a condo, work was going well, yeah. you know, money was fine, built, you know, life was good. My health was good. I was killing it at the gym. I mean, I was, it's like that reinvention worked. <laughs> right. And you were looking for that one piece that mm-hmm.
0: it was still, it wasn't there. Right. And so you went out and sought it, which is amazing. And, and I give you so, uh, so many, uh, so many accolades for that because <laughs> for a lot of people,
1: it's, that's scary. Like it's scary it going, scary. okay, this is what I'm going to do now. It was scary, but I'm thinking, if I could look at death in the eye, yep, then I got this. Because, <clears throat> yep. again, the worst thing that can happen is that he's not interested. Right. Or you say the wrong thing. Right. Oops. Or I'm like, I'm, you know, train wreck of a date. Oh, well, he, I'm never going to see him again, so right. really, what do I care? What does he care? I mean, I'm not hurting any. I'm not lying to people. That There's nothing. I think that's huge for,
0: for you, too. That's huge, is... Um, you're not lying, you're not hurting anybody and you're not lying to anybody. Yeah. You're just looking for what every single other person is looking for, right. which is a and partner. What,
1: and what each of us deserves yep. is to love and be loved. Exactly. Intimacy. So, yeah. you know, there were a handful of people, not even a handful, like maybe three men that I ended up disclosing to for whatever reason. They, wouldn't, they weren't the right person, so fine, but the earth did not open and swallow me up. yeah. You know? Jeez, and what year was this? This was in like 2003 ish. Yeah.
0: So in two, this was in 2003 and you for the first time said to a stranger and this was from episode 1. For the first time you said to a stranger I'm HIV positive was in 1995. 95. And this was only in 2003. So only mm-hmm. 8 years later you're all of a sudden at this place where you're having 50 dates in six months and disclosing to men that you would, you know, otherwise like to be with, right? Like,
1: be intimate with. Yeah. That's huge. I never thought of it that way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. That's huge in only eight years. That's less than a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Like, eight years is not very long. And not only that, but you're... But I was mostly dead at one point. (laughs) Right! You were, like, mostly dead at one point, and then all of a sudden you're doing this, and you're traveling around the country sharing your story with people Mm -hmm. and inspiring other people and making other people feel also like you're not alone, right? Right? There are so many of us. The isolation. Like, you're literally... You not only were going through this awakening process for yourself, but you were doing it for so many other people, for a huge community. Like and oh, well, you were, and I liked that. I'm like, oh no, you were, <laughs> and not only that, I would imagine that it was also waking awakening up those people, that otherwise thought that this disease was only associated with the gay community.
1: That was part of my personal goal. Yep, because I remember being really pissed off that it had been so sequestered into this one little realm that was leaving so many other people out of the discussion and ended up creating all this stigma. So my goal was twofold. One, to kind of wake up the non-HIV positive community. Exactly. To be more compassionate and more accepting and to recognize that this is really just a virus and, you know calm down, you're not going to get it unless you do some very specific things. You have to be do very specific things to get this. It's, I mean, hepatitis C is so much easier to get. Right. So that was one thing. The other part of the goal was to show people living with HIV that it did not have to rule them, mm-hmm. that it did not have to define them, that they had it within themselves to change that dialogue, to change that definition, and create it whatever it was they wanted to be because my story isn't necessarily all that special. Wow. It is how do people see what you know maybe you'll see just a little piece of yourself in me and you can connect with that and that will be the galvanizing force for you to go out and do you. Yeah. Don't don't copy me for God's sake. Don't do oh that. Oh god, don't copy me yeah, either. Yeah, God, please. No, 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 please no. Don't. You don't want to do that. No, no. Me you either. You have your goals, your life, your brilliance to share, your light to shine. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with me. Only in the fact that we might have been in the same room at the same time sharing some stories. Mm -hmm. I remember there was this one, I was in New Orleans and I'd been asked to speak at an HIV conference that brought together the local uh, researchers and the community together. I loved this conference. It was with the New Orleans um, uh, AIDS Task Force. And the room was packed. Pat, I mean there must have been like 500 people in the room standing room only people in the back and I'm sharing my story and we're having this wonderful conversation and one guy tells me afterwards he goes I saw you speak last year he goes and I, saw, I wasn't going to come this year but I saw you speak and I knew I had to come see you again He goes because you got me through last year wow oh my god I mean, part of me was like, I, I'm i stunned. Right. And then the other part is like, Lisa, you better watch what you say because people do listen. People do listen. <laughs> I don't think anybody's listening half the time, but... People listen. People are listening. People and sometimes listen. they need just that one sentence Yeah. that gets them through their whatever it is. Yeah. And the other part I wanted that has become even more crystal for me lately is that it, it wasn't really about HIV. It's, that was the vehicle that the universe has been using to put me in my right path and to find my right purpose. It would have been something else if it hadn't been HIV. And maybe my particular lessons needed to be so, I needed to be kicked in the ass so deeply that it almost cost me my life. hmm that's just my journey. But again, this all this whole conversation we're having really isn't about HIV. It's about how do we find ourselves through the most difficult challenges that we face and learn how to honor our vulnerabilities and hold them sacred. And when we can hold our own vulnerabilities sacred, that gives us space to hold others sacred. So that we can literally hold each other up throughout whatever life throws at us. Because again, life is a shit show, folks. It is. (laughs) (laughs) And it can be a glorious one. Messy and crazy and heartbreaking and joyful and exuberant and all of that. But that's better than not dying. Wow.
0: I just need to sit in that for one second. I get it I fully 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 get it it's it's it's, again like the dying piece too can I'm thinking about all those people that are listening right now that are feeling so stuck Mm -hmm. if it's stuck in their relationship if it's stuck in their traumas if it's stuck in you know wanting to um, perhaps even wanting to take their life where they're that depressed right and Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting because there's yeah, life is so freaking messy. And it's also in the messy that we find our rebirth. Right. That's where we get the spark. That's where we plant the seed. That's where we, that's where we grow. It's in that space. And you mentioned something that is so interesting that I hadn't really thought about until this moment. Mm. The vulnerability piece. Mm-hmm. Because the vulnerability piece is so important. And I just recently had somebody say to me, I don't They sent me this email and they said, but crying, vulnerability, vulnerability was taught to me that it's associated with crying and that it's weak. Weak. That when you are vulnerable, you are weak. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing though, you guys, in vulnerability, we find our deepest strength. Strength. And until you get to that place of understanding that you have to get that vulnerable with yourself, Mm -hmm. not even with others, yourself first. Yeah. And looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, which is what you did too. Mm -hmm. Okay, how did I get here? Holding myself accountable, holding myself responsible, looking at all the things that got me to this place at Mm -hmm. this moment in time.
1: And do it without
0: judgment. And without judgment and with forgiveness, with
1: kindness and compassion.
0: Yeah, compassion. Absolute compassion. Yeah.
1: And the forgiveness piece you'll get
0: to. That's like, you know, you'll get to that place. But
1: especially having been raised Catholic, you know, giving yourself compassion for me was incredibly hard. I felt like such a failure. I mean, when I got diagnosed, I'm thinking, I just failed at life. Mm -hmm. I just got a big fat F. Yeah. Because I fucked up. Call it failure, fucked up, whatever. I have not succeeded here. And forgiving myself for being human, for being a sexual human being. For having the time of my life in my 20s. when And we should all be having the time of our life. When everybody else lives. was too. Right.
0: It's just that you
1: I were with the one person. Right. You know, shoot me then. Well, I mean, well they there should, you go. You know. I mean, but it's true. But right, it's so true. having to forgive myself. And at one point, I was in North Carolina. And this is still when I was very sick, but I was in North Carolina. And somebody had asked me to be at the hospital there, they were having this HIV um, ecumenical training for like all the local pastors and bishops of, of the area of the big region of like Southern North Carolina, whatever. And there are all these Christian denominations being represented Southern Baptist, Catholic, Protestant, Methodist, whatever, a bunch of different, but they were all Christian and they're talking among themselves about what to do with their HIV-positive parishioners. And this one pastor says, well, I can't forgive him. I cannot let him, I, I, I can't administer him until he renounces his lifestyle. Oh and I'm gosh. feeling my anger boil up, but it's not my time to join the panel yet. So they take a break. We come back. I'm like one of, maybe there was one other person who was HIV positive there. I can't remember, but it's my turn to speak. And I said, here's the thing. I said, every one of you signed up for the job of helping people live in their Christian faith in the best way they they can. You signed up for that. And you don't get to judge how somebody got there. Because trust me, we're all judging ourselves harshly enough, first of all. But last time I checked, you're not Jesus Christ, and he didn't judge anybody. So if you can't check your judgment at the door when your parishioner comes to you asking for help, asking you in humility, saying, how can I live my life in this context? Please help me. That is a place of such desperation. How can you not offer compassion? That's how mad I was. I was furious. And hes he got mad at me. I don't care. I'm not here for you to like me, mister. <laughs> You spoke your truth. But that's what, that was part of that, this impetus that I have that we have to get to compassion for ourselves first and then everyone else.
0: Well, because what ends up happening? We shame them. Right. We judge them. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done that. Well, this is what you should do. I share this in the documentary. I don't know if I've ever really shared it on a podcast, Mm -hmm. but when I had, um, my first son, after I decided to keep him, right? Mm-hmm. Like I knew I was going to keep him. There's a whole story with that, mm-hmm. which will come out in the documentary. I went to go have him, him baptized at my church and my priest wouldn't baptize him because he said that unless I, um, it was because of the way that he was brought into this world. And I understand something though. understand something. Even me sitting here saying this, I don't, and this is going to sound really crazy to some people.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I don't hold judgment on that priest. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Um, I picked myself up and said, fine, then I'm going to go I'll get another. priest. I'll find another priest <laughs> to do it. That's what I did. I literally was like, okay, then. Okay, Fine. Person. You want to be that way. Yeah. You don't get to judge me. And I'm not going to stand here and allow you to judge me. Right, because that's only going to give power to you and right. your words. Right, so fine, I'll go get him baptized somewhere else. Yeah. so I did, and I found another priest, and I I asked him. I said, "Can you? Will you baptize him for me?" And because, and he mm-hmm. he was floored by it, um, by the fact that they wouldn't baptize right. him. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. I mean, it's just like literally, like whatever. It's and a bad, I su- bad service. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we have we have bad service everywhere. Right. And I wasn't gonna let that one person yeah. hold me back from doing what I felt back then in my faith was to, what right. I needed to do. Um, and I I actually, to be honest with you, forgot about a little bit of that until my sister-in-law brought it up <laughs> recently. And she was like, do you remember when? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That, that did happen. That did happen. <laughs> There's just been so many things.
1: Oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, yeah, that oh, happened, Oh, yeah, that happened, too. Happened too. <laughs> There's just been so many. Things. Things.
0: Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> add to it. That was like, I know. That was just one of the one of the you know. I mean, really, these things are one comical. of the many. They really are comical when you. They think really about. are, and you know what's really crazy is that back then I didn't even. It, I, I was in so much judgment from people mm-hmm. that I was just like, oh, okay. here's another one. What Whatever. Is you? Yeah. Like I'll just figure out where to go. Then go ahead. You know. <laughs> Nowadays, I would. Yeah. I would. Be more than happy to post it on social media and say, hey, that's not right. Back then we just couldn't do it like that because
1: it's just the way it was. But I think, you know, all the work that I had been doing without even realizing that I was doing the work, um, gave me such a, a space to so not care about what somebody else thinks about me. Right. And I've probably always been that way. I mean, let's face it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've pretty much always been there, but when it came to HIV, suddenly I felt intense shame, intense self, almost self-loathing, and, and that feeling of being such a failure and being able to shift that and to use that not only to galvanize myself and to make sure that I was going to be taking care of my myself, but that I could hopefully help others take care of themselves. Yeah and that became like oh maybe that's what my purpose is huh.
0: well and that's so interesting cuz one of the things that i cannot stand today mm-hmm. and everybody knows this about me is mm-hmm. judgment cannot stand it now i and i write about that too a little bit of judgment is okay like you have to be able to judge certain situations well, you have to be discerning are we safe right, right. like there's certain things that you right. have to that you have to have Right. That intuitive hit for like red flags it, of like,
1: okay, don't walk over the cliff unless you have, you know, wings. <laughs> that would be one of them. Yeah. And I really cannot
0: stand judgment yeah. because at the core of who we are, every single one of us on this earth, we actually are simply human beings right. with a heart, soul. Like we all have that same thing, mm-hmm. right? Right. So when we can see each other for who we truly are, it, there, I mean, how much more simple is life? Right. And like, the really? And,
1: and the truth is, we're all freaks.
0: In yes. one form or another. <laughs> Just let your
1: freak flag fly, because why, why not? Because <laughs> we'll <laughs> <laughs> freak flag fly. That's good. <laughs> I mean, why not? Right. Because what are you going to do? Get to the end of your life and go, well, yeah, I wish I could have gone salsa dancing even though I didn't think I could do it. I mean, no. Yeah. Go. Because what's what's the point of waiting? Yeah. What are you waiting
0: for? I still what am I you, waiting for? I still to this day do two things every year that scare the
1: shit out of Good me. Good for you.
0: Yes. This year, that was my yoga retreat was oh. one of them. I know that sounds really like, but for me, I had never yeah. done yoga. And so I was like, I'm going to try
1: yoga. In fact, I need to take singing lessons because well, there I go. know I don't sing well. And singing poorly in front of people. Scares the A, I don't want to offend them. Like, oh, nobody wants to hear that. Why would I be offending people on purpose? That's mean. Oh, I gotta take
0: lessons. Oh no. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll share my second
0: one when I do it at the end of the year. I'm not sharing that
1: quite yet, but it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, so my I realized that my purpose is truly to help other people live their lives to the best. Of what makes them brilliant, to help them shine their light. That gives me incredible joy. So when I've had people over the years come up and say, a few people have actually told me I saved their lives. Mm. I believe that. I'm like, Whoa. Thousand, thousand, thousand percent believe that. That was intense. Yeah. And. Also, so incredibly joyful. Yeah. I and thousand percent believe that because when. One of the decision tools when we have to make a judgment, one of the things I ask myself is, at the end of my life, am I going to care if? And you can fill in that if with whatever. At one point, I was still married. My husband wanted to get those big screen TVs when they were still monstrously huge. Mm -hmm. I didn't want one. I was fighting, fighting, fighting. And then I'm like, why am I fighting about this? And I asked myself, at the end of my life, am I going to care if we had a big-ass TV in the living room? And i thought, no, why would I care about that? Next day, I said, honey, go get the TV. He's like, wait a minute, are you going to hold? I'm like, nope, I want you to get it. I want you to watch the daylights out of it and enjoy every second. Oh, my God. It was such a beautiful way to just get out of that tension and that argument. So now whenever there's a thing that's bugging me, I ask myself that question. And if the answer is I'm not going to care, then let it go. Mm-hmm. It's Because it's, it's not, at the end of our lives, none of us is going to care about the vast majority of the shit we think is important. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, did I give enough love? Did I get love? Was I present? Did I spend enough time with the people I care about? So true. That's it. Simplicity. It's for me. Simplicity.
0: There are yeah. a few people right now, and you know who you are? <laughs> where I am sending this podcast to, and you guys need to listen to that piece because we get so caught up in the complexity of life mm-hmm. that we forget to slow down yeah. and to simply lead the simple one
1: that we actually really truly want.
0: Right. That's what
1: we crave. Yeah. And the busyness of life can be absolutely overwhelming. I get caught up in it all the time. I do too. You know, of course we do. It's the society we live in, it's the structures that we are in right now. But when I find myself getting like, oh crap, then I'm like, okay, Lisa, is this going to matter tomorrow, next week, next year, at the end of my life? You know, if I kind of go through that. I'm like, okay, it may have some urgency. Okay, fine, handle it. But don't get crazy about it because a month from now, no one's going to care. Well, and
0: the other thing is, is that when we get into that place of um, going back to that constriction piece, mm-hmm. when we go, when we go to that place of just like, oh, we really do feel constricted too by yeah. all of the things. Our we, breath gets shorter. Our, everything, and, like yeah. our breath, like everything within us changes. Our blood pressure changes. And we also do not allow ourselves to open up to the possibilities of what's really there. Right. The vast possibilities of what's there. Yeah. Yeah. And that is that constriction, like I said, like if it's in relationships
1: or whatever it is. Mm-hmm.
0: So you ended up divorcing your husband. Yeah, so he <coughs> left me,
1: but left after you. about a year, I you know, was holding off, holding off, started you know, having fun, and then I thought, it's time to get a divorce, and I handed him the divorce papers. And he looked at me, and he's like, wait, what? I thought we were just separate. I'm like, you haven't wanted to spend one minute of time with me. You've made dates. You've canceled every single time. I get it now. You don't want to hang out with me. Okay, so here you go. And he had the nerve to say, but I thought love was forever. (laughs) (laughs) I look at him like, love is a verb. And you haven't loved me in ages. Mm. And I'm no longer giving you power to hurt me. I'm done. I'm done. And that was that. And with my next boyfriend, I said, just so you know, when I say I'm done, it's not a negotiation tool. By the time I get to the point where I say I'm done, that means that I have exhausted every single possibility to keep this going. Just letting you know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so
0: glad that you did not say I'm done
1: to yourself. Thank you. I'm glad, too. And that never thought, thought never really crossed my mind. Somebody asked me recently, a guy I was dating last year, I told him the story, and he had a lot of questions. And he goes, he assumed, actually. He goes, oh, and I'm sure you, when did you contemplate suicide? I'm like, what? I never contemplated. He goes, you didn't? I'm like, no. That never occurred to me. I thought I might die, but because of the stupid virus, not because of me. It honestly never occurred to me. And I'm really glad it didn't. Yeah. I'm really glad it didn't. Wow. Because then I wouldn't have gone diving in Fiji. <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> I, I just am blown away by that. Uh, I've had some very cool experiences that yeah, it's really cool had experiences. I not just kept going. And that idea of, you know, my mom died in 96. So that year was horrendous. But had I not thought I need to honor everything she did just to keep me here, just to have me, just to get me to the right schools so that I could go to UC, you know, to get to that point, the sacrifices she made, that sense of honoring her would have been so antithetical to suicide. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm you know, just, mm, it no, just didn't make sense. Happen. This yeah. is just, just like, no, wasn't, as, this
0: isn't even yeah. like, this is oil and water. Not exactly. Happening. Wow. That's incredible.
1: Yeah.
0: So, um, so what else happened between, so you're at 2000, you get divorced mm-hmm. at what? 2001, 2001. Yeah.
1: So now fast forward, how long were you doing? Have, are you still doing this work today? No, I haven't been because I, so I worked in HIV up until about 2008 little bit after that, but not much. Not to the level I had been because I changed jobs. And I also wanted to get away from HIV. Mm. I wanted it to become like the rearview mirror view. I didn't want it to be... It was still somewhat defining me. And I thought, I need to test and see if I can survive outside of this little world. Because it's a very insular world. Everybody knows everybody. You see the same people at the same conferences year over year, which is wonderful. Yeah. But I'm like... There's still more, and I want to see if I if I can, if I've got it in me, because right now it's still defining me, so I left it. And I went to another big company in the pharmaceutical world. I ended up doing things that I, again, never thought I would do. Met wonderful people. Now I have friends all over the East Coast. And it opened a whole new chapter of stuff. So it HIV became like a little speck of dust on my shoulder. Uh-huh. My health is phenomenal. It's, you know... If I have to disclose to somebody, it's a very rational conversation. It's undetectable, is untransmittable. People get it, now I can pull up the CDC website, just type in U equals U and see what comes up. And they're like, oh yeah, the World Health Organization, this is now World Health Policy. Undetectable virus means it's untransmittable. My virus has been undetectable since I think 1998 or nine, because I take my meds, because I have the strength to do what I need to do. To live. Right. There you back. go. Right. It all goes back. All goes back to those three wishes. Wow. I do what I got to do so that I can get to my next level. So, leaving the HIV world was my way of also reclaiming and finding out what else can I do. Mm-hmm. If I can do that and be successful with that, now what else can I do from a professional perspective? Because I didn't want to rest on that. That was, it had become a comfortable position it would become a i don't want to say fallback but it would become very comfortable right and we got to get, you a, gotta get a lot of, out, of of the, out of the comfort yeah. zone right yeah and so now here it is 2020 and I'm thinking I have a different perspective about this that I can that I think is worth sharing on that bigger scale because it's really no longer about HIV it's about how do we in order to reclaim ourselves, we have to let go of everything. Right. We have and, to empty our cup right. in order to. Exactly. So that it. we can really find out who we really are. <laughs> yeah. And I think I've found out a lot more about who I really am in the past 10 years and even more so, I'd say, in the past three. Wow. At a whole different level.
0: So, do you want to start there? Where do you want to keep going from? Because we. What year, so this was in 1990,
1: you divorced your husband in 1990, No, in, or in, two, two, in two, sorry, 2001, 2001. Um, and then working, 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 10 year relationship, in 2008, I imploded you, at my you, work. You, no, okay, I'm, so. no, I left work in 2016, I had imploded at the last job I okay, had. Okay, got it, okay. Okay. I was supremely unhappy, and again, I'm unhappy, what am I going to do about it? I was earning good money. I lived in a nice house. I would broken up with my boyfriend, so I was alone, had wonderful friends, but, you know, not partnered anymore. And I was isolated again because I was living in the country in Connecticut. Oh. And the winters were brutal. And I was on a lake, and it was stunningly beautiful, but I was alone. And I'm not, I like my own company, but being alone for a long time does not make me a happy creature. I had become supremely unhappy and I was also taking a high blood pressure medicine because my work was killing me and the blood pressure med gave me depression and it was a slide so I didn't know it was happening until a friend of mine was on the phone with me and he said Lisa he goes you just don't sound like yourself anymore He goes, I don't hear the light in your voice at all and honestly, it felt like, some, like if I were a candle, somebody just snuffed out my flame. I felt no joy. It was a horrible, dark place. And it was the first time in my life where I understood what depression was. Wow. And I remember thinking, holy shit, you're right. So I looked, I said, the only thing that's been different in the past four or five months has been this medication. So I looked it up, sure enough, first thing that comes up on WebMD depression, like severe depression. I'm like, holy shit, I didn't take it that night. I called the doctor the next day. I'm not taking this anymore. It's making me want to just vanish. Because I would go to bed thinking, if I don't wake up tomorrow, that would be fine. If the earth just opened me up and swallowed me, I'd be okay with that. And I'd never, even when I was sick, I was even, say, I'd so never even, even had even no. <laughs> you were never like, ah. I had never had a thought process like that before. And it scared me. Well, yeah. So I'm like, not not taking it. Sorry, we're going to have to find something else. Well, I, I'm, once more, you're saying this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> once more, you're like, That's nope, yeah. I'm not doing this anymore.
1: <laughs> find me something else. Find me something else. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But then because of my depression, my performance at work had become so bad that I got fired. Best thing that could have happened. Because well, like, I, like so the breakup I just, with my husband, like so I was saying. too chicken to leave, but I'm going to create something that's going to make this happen. <laughs> I was just going to say. Yeah. So find me something mm. else.
0: So I lost my job. Yeah. <laughs> so I lost my yeah, job.
1: Okay. So I lost my job. Wow. And it was like getting out of a bad relationship, like a really bad oh, yeah. relationship. So, but again, now I had to reinvent myself. But the cool thing was, My friends knew my story, and they're like, Lisa, because, of course, I'm scared. I'm operating off of a little bit of fear, understandably so. But they're like, Lisa, you face death. Of course you can face this. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) You can pretty much do anything, I just got (laughs) to tell you,
0: by the way. By the way, you you pretty much can do anything.
1: Wow. So what are you doing today? So now I'm working um, at an agency and working in the healthcare sphere looking at social determinants of health and how this particular company and even on a larger scale how organizations can be part of the solution so that we look at what determines health for people that's based on where they live the environment they live in access to healthy food all of those much bigger issues that are often determined by policy so we're doing that kind of work which is super cool because it's now no longer about just one little like diabetes is an epidemic yes it is but why but why yeah and that's what the social determinants are about so we're doing that kind of work um i'm also writing a book about what we've been talking about so that hopefully it'll help more people and i'm also developing a virtual reality application for people living with anxiety what okay this is interesting yeah i don't have anxiety i even through all of that i'm like i don't suffer from an anxious either disorder or even a habit of it. Um, But it breaks my heart that people do. You're such a caring human being, I tell you. And so tell me about that. So we're applying cognitive behavioral therapy principles in a VR environment so that without having access to a therapist, this is for the self-help market, um, because most people don't have access to a therapist that can lead them through these exercises. And that, to me, is not okay. So VR, for those that don't oh, know, virtual, virtual reality. reality yeah. Yes.
0: So I'm working on that. It's that's, still going,
1: but I'm working on it.
0: That's incredible. That's, that's, I, I, that sounds um, like that would be... I mean, I'm, I've, I would never even have thought of creating something
1: like that. I thought of it as at a conference that had to do with entertainment and gaming. Oh, just it, to me, it's like, Duh. Like that's not out there, not real. There's a lot of there's a lot out there, but nothing quite like this. And of course, and not for the self help market. Of course, because I don't want p. And also, we want to do it in different languages because there are cultural stigma as, you know, like I said before, as a Latina, I never thought to go see a therapist when I clearly needed one. I certainly could have used the help of one. (sighs) Me too. But it didn't occur to me. So for a lot of people, there's cultural stigma, there's personal st- whatever. I don't care. I want those barriers to be removed. Yeah. Well, as they should be. Yeah. As they should be. I mean, I didn't have one either. And, right. Um, not until six years ago when I found out about David. Right. So. I mean, sometimes I wonder, could I have gotten to this place sooner if I had, had that kind of help? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. And, and you Who can say? And then the other happen.
0: piece to it is, too, with you, and this is where I... Because just sitting here in person with you, having this conversation, I think that there was a lot of strength that was drawn on the fact that we did have to figure it out in our way. Mm -hmm. Because our way was clearly (laughs) not like other people's way. Right. And by that sense, we can help others to go through it in a different process than what most people would, quote unquote, think they should be doing it in. Right. Which is huge because one... And I'm gonna I cannot stress this enough. My journey is not the right way. The way the therapist is to say is not the right Lit- Right. Like literally, nobody's is the right way. Right. Because there is no right way. Right. There isn't. It's, it's just your no way. way.
1: It's right. It's your it's whatever way. Whatever way works for you, that's the right way. Right. And it takes trial and error too. You have thousand to be willing percent. to iterate, iterate, iterate. Thousand percent. Thousand percent,
0: thousand percent. And I wanna make that so I wanna stress that so deeply with people because we think, oh, well, I have to do it this way because that's the right way. Well, right. no, there is no right way.
1: Yeah.
0: They're like, hello. Yeah, We're all on our own
1: individual journey. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make one right or wrong. It's just yeah. what it is. When I used to speak up at the Tenderloin in San Francisco, now for those of you who don't know, the Tenderloin is an area in San Francisco that has, it's, it's known for its drug using population. So HIV is a little center there. And I'd been asked to go speak to a group that was post-incarceration and working on getting their lives back on track at this one center. Lovely center, I loved the people there, they were all really terrific. And the leader of this group asked me to speak to the group members, and I'm like, I don't have that experience. I I, I don't want to sound like some asshole who hasn't had that experience telling them what to do. I mean, that's, ew, who wants that? He's like, no, Lisa, he goes, you really you do share the one thing with them, and they're gonna want to hear what you have to say. I'm like, okay, so I get there and I said, F- level setting. I have no idea what your path has been like. I can't even imagine it. So a, you guys rock because you have way more strength than I can even imagine. And kudos you for showing up because mm. sometimes just showing up is the win. Yeah, you know, and then we went on to have a whole conversation about HIV and stuff, but it was such an amazing experience for me because I'm learning from them the strength that they had to pull up with just to show up. Yeah. Wow. Such rewarding stuff. And again, it's it shows so that no one path is the right path. Yep. So how dare any of us judge anybody else for the path that that person is on? Goes back to that whole judgment yeah. word again. I'm The I J know. word. The J word. Like I'm not a very <laughs> big fan.
0: Yeah. Just saying... So I'm going to ask you two different questions. How do you envision your life impacting the world?
1: Well, it would be a lot less anxious world if this project gets off the ground. And ultimately, I would love for people just to feel more compassion to themselves, which would naturally extend to other people. And I think that when we start caring for each other from a compassionate perspective it's not about having to like somebody mm. you can dislike somebody and still have compassion for them you can still hug them well, maybe not <laughs> i'm only joking <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but you know you really can still have compassion i hug people all the <laughs> yeah, time
0: yeah. that i'm like
1: i don't know about yeah, you, I you know, but i'm gonna still hug know. you
0: yeah okay <laughs>
1: Actually, I love hugging people, too. I've even felt them their bodies stiffen, and then you you can feel that relaxation. that's what we were saying. At any rate, it's really getting people to love themselves enough, and this is a lesson I'm learning myself, Uh to love ourselves enough to know that we absolutely deserve to be loved. Because no one can fill that hole for us, first of all.
0: Is this a constant thing that you're working on? Yes. Yeah. I think me too. Absolutely. I'd be a liar if I said no. That was percent because I think every one of us are. Yeah. So that's yeah. so people are no, I'm like, like uh, actually liar. you're lying because yeah. we're all this yeah, is like Of a course con- I'm working on it. All of the time. course.
1: I get, of some course. days are great, some days not so good. You know, if I'm looking at a continuum it's getting better. If that was a test question you passed. <laughs> Yay. Yay! I love doing well. I'm not, I'm not failing anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm
0: not failing
1: anymore.
0: You're doing great. Okay, so what have been your greatest lessons? um in these years, from
1: you know nineteen ninety one until I'm asking you yeah. some pretty big ones here. Yeah, you are because there there's a, things that there's so many lessons. The greatest, but the, the greatest, greatest lessons greatest um, Learning that. The universe has me, mm. because at one point I'm sure I felt the universe had abandoned me completely. By oh, here I've got fucking HIV and I'm dying. But learning that the test wasn't HIV, it was what am I going to do about it? Oh, mic drop. Yep, that would be it. Yep, yep. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? Pick a plan. If it doesn't work, adjust. Yep. Make a decision. And make a decision. Oh, for God's sake. Like even in business. We need to analyze it. Paralysis by analysis, it'll kill you. Uh Uh-huh. Make a decision. It might be the wrong one, but you can make another decision after that. Yeah. Get in motion. Right. Do something. Yeah. Get on that treadmill. Two and a half miles an hour, five minutes. Fine. Do it. Cause the next day is gonna be something different.
0: I just love you. Seriously, we we're hugging. I know you guys can't see that, but we're hugging. Like literally, it's I I thousand percent, amen, thousand percent. So can I ask you one last question? Absolutely. Okay, so one last question. What is your life like today?
1: Ah, oh, I love my life. I really do. It's still crazy. Still looking for that guy, but it's still so much fun. Yeah. And I have learned to relax into my life. And, you know, some days, again, better than others, but it's that curiosity is still there. That what's the next day going to bring? What's this? Who am I going to meet on the plane? You know, even the mundane things are wonderful. I still do a happy dance if I'm going to the movies or I'm going to have some popcorn. Whatever it is, I get excited. I get excited over the silly little things. So I'm going to share something with you. I
0: I, t- <laughs> I don't pick my seat for my planes. No. And I'm not talking about cuz I don't fly. No, but oh, it's not cuz I'm like flying the this. Totally. I literally don't pick my seat. Oh, I, will say, I will say I will say like yes, put me next to a window, or yes, put me next to a, a you know, uh-huh. and whatever, don't pick it. Try it. I will. And, and then... I'm always
1: picking my seat. No,
0: don't pick your seat. And then guess what? If you end up meeting your man on that plane because of this... Oh, my God. In fact, I'm flying on Monday. There you go. Don't pick your seat. I'll, I'll,
1: I'll uncheck my uncheck seat. Uncheck
0: your seat. Uncheck
1: your seat, I'll people. leave it to the universe. Let, seriously. That is a great idea. Oh, my God. How fun. Yes. Because even last night coming from, I was on... I flew in last night from New York, but I was in the lounge thing and I just started talking to people. I mean, <laughs> it's so
0: I, much fun. I, here's the thing I, I don't care people. if I sit in the middle seat either. Like, it doesn't bother I me. I'm like, totally wherever I'm supposed character. to be is where I'm supposed to be, yeah. right? So that's why I literally don't pick my seat.
1: Uh huh. I'm gonna try that. Uh huh. I love that idea. It's so much fun. And the other thing I'm doing is asking help of strangers, even like putting oh, yes. my bag up. I, I'm capable of doing it because I've been, oh, I'm boxing now. It's oh, that's so a, much fun. oh wow. a boxing cool. yogi.
0: A boxing yogi. That's <laughs> awesome. That's, that's seems awesome. seems like it
1: doesn't make sense, but apparently it does. It, it does. That sounds good to me. Yeah. But, so I'm capable, but I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to ask for help. Yeah. And I did it on a flight a few weeks ago, and this gentleman said, may I help you? I said, absolutely, you may, and thank you for helping me because I'm, I'm actually, one of my homework things this week is to ask people for help. So he put it up joyfully, it seemed. After the fight was over, it's time to get the bags down. The man behind me had heard that little conversation. He goes, can I help you with that? Oh, I he goes, love I'll be part. it. I'm like, oh, thank you.
0: Yes. See, we all, okay, so you bring something up here. Because when we ask for help, we are also giving the other person the gift of Helping. helping. People want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. They actually want to help you. yeah. They're receiving so. at the same time. There's yeah. not
1: just you just like taking something they're receiving at the same yeah. time. So I'm, I have to reteach my lesson that lesson every day to wow. myself because it's it's a process. That's a self-love too <laughs> yeah. that also goes into the self-love like I'm worthy of I yeah. matter I'm worthy of somebody to yeah. put my bag up for me. Yeah 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 Wow. We know they're going to be taller. I'm five foot one people, <laughs> but she's a five foot one. She's buff. <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So no, life is really good right now. I'm really, I'm involved in work that is meaningful and that's, whew, that's everything. That is a gift. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is. It is. Yep. Yeah. I'm meet, so happy that, that you're you. here. Me too.
0: So, um, is there
1: anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? You know, I mean, I'm hoping that you've all enjoyed this. I'm hoping that you have found something that is relevant to you that you can use for your own benefit. And I want to kind of say, like, get selfish mm. with what you need, and ask yourself, you know, what's it going to take for me to be happy, and know that that's on you. The good news is it's up to you. The bad news is it's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, you have the power. Oh, you got the power. Oh, right. what are you going to do with that? Is on you. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? But hopefully, this has been fun, and yes. and find that joy every day. You know, I walk around with my camera on my phone open most of the time because there's always like some beautiful light i've caught a dragonfly posing for me once he mm-hmm. let me take like 60 pictures that's because i was paying attention and looking for the joy yeah so, and ask for it by the way right. like
0: ask for it as well like from the universe from like like go outside right. in nature i do that all the time yeah. in nature i'm like hey yesterday i I think I told you? Maybe I didn't. Maybe you don't know about this. No. I was having I was in a funk yesterday, so I grabbed my board, went to went yes, on the did. ocean, oh, the
1: abundance, yes.
0: the abundance. I went out to the ocean, took went four miles out, flipped my board in, had a little conversation with myself, mm-hmm. got in, and then pulled my board up. And my whole thing was that I was feeling I was feeling constricted, like mm-hmm. you know, of just life scarcity. Scarcity. Yeah. Pull my board up. And two guys walk up, and they had just got done fishing, and they're like, "Can I give you some fish?" That's so cool. It's so cool. So they gave me a bag of five fish. Fish from heaven. Fish Dad. from heaven. I was like, abundance. Yep. It's okay to ask, and it's, it's okay to ask. It's okay to ask. And if we don't ask, who's gonna know to give it to yep. us? Yes, exactly. So I took the fish and brought them home and, and cooked ate them, ate up them up. for
1: my kids, and they were like,
0: "This is yeah. really funny." And I was oh, like, oh, that's "There
1: hilarious. you go." Yeah. Yep. So it's and you know and and. We kind of we got to trust ourselves a little more. Yes, trust our instincts. Yes. My instincts saved my life. Yes, on more than one. I didn't even tell you about the scaring the burglar out of my sister's house or the scaring down a would-be attacker, because I trusted my the red hair. You know the hair uh-huh. on the back of my neck. Uh huh. Uh huh. But all of those things, trust trust the the journey you're on, even if it's hard. Yeah. Dig in. Dig in. Yeah.
0: Live. And live. And just live you're so beautiful as are you. thank you for being here my pleasure and um i'm sure down the road i have a feeling that we will end up doing some magical things in this lifetime together as we are right now and um Yay. there is so much more ahead for all of us for all of us yeah, yeah. thank you thank you so much. thank you hon friends thank you for listening to the live boldly podcast I am grateful to have you here, and I would love to invite you over to sarahshultoncrans.com to grab my free seven steps to a joy filled life. I share these seven steps from my own heart, soul, and experience. These steps transformed my own life from victim to survivor. Also, please, let's all be a ripple effective change in today's world. I ask of you to please share this podcast with others that may need to be inspired or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review, go to my Instagram or Facebook page and let me know what you think. I love hearing from each and one of you. I love sharing your thoughts, messages, and inspiring words. Because we are not alone in this world, friends, let's keep the ripple moving. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great remainder of your day.